Welcome to a special bonus episode of Sabbath School Rescue Podcast. This week, Michael Campbell introduces and interviews Dr. Alberto Tim, Associate Director of BRI. Together, let's find even deeper insights into this quarter's Sabbath School lesson. The Sabbath School Rescue Podcast is hosted by Michael Campbell and Buster Swoops at Southwestern Adventist University. We love learning and sharing God's Word, and together we have 18 years of pastoral experience, and now we have the privilege to dig deeper into this study. I'm Michael Campbell, co-host of the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast, and my good friend Buster Swoops is uh, otherwise occupied today with responsibilities at Southwestern, but I do have the privilege and didn't want to miss out on being able to talk with the primary contributor of our Sabbath School lesson for this quarter. We've already been having fun diving in, just getting started, and we have a whole quarter ahead of us. Our primary contributor is none other than Alberto Tim. He is currently the Associate Director of the Biblical Research Institute. This is sort of a new role, but he hasn't gone very far because uh, previous to that, he had served for uh, quite a number of years at the Ellen G. White Estate, which is in the bottom floor of the General Conference. In fact, we were just talking about there's a visitor center. So if any of our listeners have never been to Silver Spring, Maryland, to our church headquarters, that's an experience you don't want to miss. So he has a passion for uh, scripture, which is his kind of current role, and also in terms of Adventist history and promoting Ellen White's writings and a healthy and balanced understanding of those writings. I also am grateful because he's had a, a, such a great positive impact on my own life as uh, a scholar and as a friend. Uh, years ago, he was studying under George Knight at Andrews University, his dissertation on the development of the uh, our understanding of the sanctuary. So we've had interesting uh, dialogues about all kinds of fun research. And so we could talk just about that, I'm sure. But uh, Alberto, welcome to the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast. Well, it's a joy to, to be with you and to meet my dear friend, uh, Michael. We have been together in many different occasions. Even I remember at Ayas, we had a nice symposium over there. And also greetings to each one of you that are following us in this conversation. Yes, well, talk to us a little bit. You know, we have different lesson topics that from quarter to quarter. How did you end up writing this particular topic? Uh, I, I think this is a really interesting one. I can't remember the last time that we had one pertaining. I mean, it's it's on death, dying, and the future hope. So we're really dealing with the doctrine of the state of the dead, right? Yes, um, I didn't choose the topic. Actually, what happened is uh, when Cliff, uh, Cliff Goldstein came to me and said, Alberto, we need a Sabbath school quarterly from you. What subject would you suggest? So I, I suggested a few, but he did not, uh, did not accept them. He said, no, this here is not as exactly what I want. To make the story short, later on, he approached me again and said, I have a topic to you, and I want you to, to write on the state of the dead. Mm. And I said, well, if this is the case, I can. And when I came home, my wife, Marley, uh, she said, come on, why did you choose this topic? Nobody will be excited about it to, to reflect on that. And then I explained to her, the reason 
Uh, one of those you already mentioned. I personally don't remember when it was uh, the last time that we addressed this topic. Uh, actually, it, if it was addressed, it has been a long time ago. And secondly, many church members around the world maybe not being prepared as they should for baptism or whatever reason, have doubts about this subject, especially when it comes to that kind of animistic religion, mysticism, and there is that kind of syncretic tendency of bridging a little bit of the Bible with local culture and so on. And plus, there is another reason. Um, the world has been taken over by all kinds of forms of mysticism, spiritualism, near-death experiences that's very popular today. And people even claim to be the final proof for mm. the immortality of the soul, reincarnation, person, personations, or whatever you want to call them, and so on. So I told my wife that... Uh, I would like to address the topic, and of course, it should be within the framework of the great controversy. Uh, and I told her, I want to explore not the negative, the grieving side of it, but the positive, mm -hmm. God's solution to it. So because this is a reality. And so that was the, the way how it started. <laughs> Well, you know, it just reminds me from serving overseas in a cross-cultural context that, uh, you know, I, I remember we did a survey of church members. And I don't remember the exact number, but it was somewhere like 70 to 80 percent. It was really high um, of church members in that part of the world did not understand our belief in the state of the dead. Uh, and so this really surprised me because it's one of our pillar doctrines, right? It's one of our the five pillar doctrines. And yet it seems that it's the one that gets at times overlooked or taken for granted the most, if I'm hearing you right. You are absolutely right. I consider this as the neglected uh, doctrine. And as you mentioned, is foundational for our message. And you're a specialist in development of SCA doctrines and theology as well. And you see that uh, uh, many of our doctrines interact with this one. So I would consider this not being a, sing, a simple doctrine, but a platform even. And I was talking once in the days that I was studying at Andrews with a friend, and he taught me that he uh, had some doubts about uh, Adventist message. He was born in an Adventist family. And then when he was a teenager, he started to doubt a little bit if, if he was not only an Adventist uh, by tradition, and maybe there could be something else. And after studying uh, several Christian denominations and world religions, he came to the conclusion that within Christianity, in his opinion, there are only two consistent churches in their doctrines. One is the Adventist, Seventh-day Adventist Church, and the other one, the Roman Catholic Church. One is built on the platform of natural immortality of the soul, the Roman mm -hmm. Catholic, and the Seventh-day Adventist on the conditional immortality of the human being as such. And. And those are the two main pillars, the platform, the foundation to many of those. For instance, if you believe that when the soul does not die, 
the supposed soul does not die but stay alive, it has to go elsewhere. And then the Virgin Mary, the mediation of the saints, all these kind of things, where paradise, purgatory, and, uh, and hell makes sense. But on the other side, if the person remains on the grave, yeah. then the idea of the second coming, the resurrection, and even the pre-advent investigative judgment makes sense. Because if the resurrection is already the reward, if somebody has to be judged, has to be judged prior to the reward. Yeah. Well, the, if I'm hearing you right, what we believe theologically really matters, has great implications. Uh, yeah. I, I want to unpack a little bit of this, tying it in to the great controversy, because it's not just this one belief, but it kind of is a package deal. It, it affects so much else, like you were talking about, how it has these wider implications how do you tie this belief in as people that are listening are going to be studying this through the rest of the quarter? How do people, how does that tie with the great controversy or understanding? Actually, the Bible opens, I mean, world history opens to, to a large degree with two statements that you find in Genesis 2 and 3. In one, God says, if you will eat of the fruit of the tree, of knowledge of good and evil, you most certainly will die. Mm. And then later on in chapter 3 comes the serpent in a very subtle way and says, no, you will not die. Your eyes will be open and you will have a superior knowledge. So you mm. are too close-minded. You should open your, 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 your eyes or your mind. And so those two very simple statements, they echo throughout human history. Well, on one side, you have saying you will not die. And I have, for instance, if you, I am not recommending you to read it because it's not a good experience. But if you take, for instance, the wow. Egyptian Book of the Dead, mm. you will see all kinds of fancy ideas. The prayer, for instance, that you you have to do if you become a falcon or a, or an alligator or whatever, this kind of reincarnation. And as the sun the, uh, this, uh, appears and disappears, so the soul can go and come back also to the, to the mummy and this kind of idea. So the world has been taken uh, so much by this, uh, sorry, lie of the serpent. And at the same yeah. time, God is trying to keep us faithful to that one. And this has been shaped human history. Yeah, and, and that knowledge that uh, it wasn't exactly the kind of knowledge that God is protecting us from. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Some people say that's forbidden to forbid, but God put restrictions even prior to the fall. Indeed. And I guess he just loves us so much. It's, it's you know, now that I'm a parent and have kids, you know, teenagers, hard to believe. And I know your kids are growing up too. Yeah. You know, you, you want to have your kids experience and grow and everything else, but then there's some things you want to save them from that heartache too, you know, and uh, our father in heaven being such a loving, much more loving father that just loves and cares for us. So, uh, and, and one of the great things about this lesson, I like how you framed it, not just on the negative, but the positive is, is that this is our reality until Jesus comes. We, we have to deal with 
our own mortality, death and dying. Uh, and yet it's not something that we always feel very comfortable. Um, I'm thinking as a pastor, I didn't like to preach about it. I remember preaching on it on one time and it was completely inadvertently, but I was talking about my own experience and losing a loved one that was very close to me. And then I just broke out in tears. I think it's the only time I can remember crying in a sermon, but there I was because it was just so emotional. And I can only imagine as people are reading this lesson. So what, what does this mean for you? I mean, I, obviously from a theological standpoint, it's, it's a core to our belief, but um, talk to us a little bit of your own, you know, personal experience. How, how do you relate to this um, in your own, your own personal life? Um, I, I'm kind of curious. Actually, I believe that it was providential. Of course, I don't believe in predestination, but uh, I think it was providential because we planned this quarterly prior to the pandemic. Mm. And then it just happened to be that now that the pandemic is basically over, at least mm -hmm. in general terms, that uh, actually it can, it can bring a word of comfort encouragement to people that really lost beloved ones and friends. And this has been a major tragedy around the world, even several mm -hmm. pastors have died to COVID. But in my case, mm -hmm. it is very significant because I have a feeling that uh, maybe uh, you, Michael, never, uh, you didn't experience. But in my case, I was not planned to come into existence. In other words, my brother was almost 20 and my sister 18 when I was born. And so all my, my di di direct line of uh, parents and siblings, they already died. And it's interesting that in the companion book, because you have the Sabbath school quarterly as mm -hmm. such, and the cover of the companion book is similar, the only mm -hmm. difference that in the top is not Sabbath school, but my name. And yeah. in that one, this one, I actually dedicated to the lovely memory of my, my parents and my siblings. And wow. I add in the, the bottom, who are resting in their graves until the resurrection morning. Mm. So it is a feeling very strange when you lose somebody very close to you. Mm. But it, it's another feeling. Uh, is when you are the only one left or the mm. last one. Yeah. Your parents are gone, your siblings are no longer there, and you are left. So in my case, the Sabbath school is very, I mean, the topic was very touching because you miss them. And we mm -hmm. were a very united family. Mm -hmm. And um, you you wish to to see them again. And some people go today to some kind of mediunic experiences to talk to them. But this is not what the Bible says. So our hope is the resurrection. And I am looking forward to that great day. Mm. And I just want to shout out to our listeners that uh, this, I, I haven't read it yet. I, I, as soon as you mentioned, I'm like, oh, how come I didn't get that already? And I believe the companion book is available uh, on Kindle. I think it's only a couple bucks. And so, or go to your Adventist book center or Amazon or wherever you get books like that, resources like that. So just want to encourage our listeners as you're looking for resources for teaching the lesson, perhaps that's a great thing to, a great thing to have. So, uh, you know, I, I'm also reminded 
early on in my ministry as a pastor, mm-hmm. I went to a church member's house and she was over a hundred years old. And I remember her saying, pastor, I'm ready to go. Would you please pray that I would die? And that was, had to be one of the most unusual prayer requests ever. Her family had died. She had a child. That child had died. All of her friends she had known had died. So I just want you to know, as you were saying that, Alberto, you have friends. So I don't want you to ever pray that prayer. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I never have to. <laughs> to yeah. with me. Right. But uh, there, there is this sense in which uh, people have to come to terms with their, their own mortality. I was a hospital chaplain and, and again, you're holding people's hands and there are final moments more times than I care to admit. Uh, but there, there are those moments um, where people need permission to be able to say it's okay to go that, that, that there is a hope that we have that we can trust in, in Jesus. Uh, and, and, and I, I appreciate that about this lesson this quarter, because we have, we have this hope, you know, it's him. Yeah. <laughs> we have this hope. Uh, and, and yet it seems that we also struggle a little bit holding on to that hope and remembering that hope, especially in those final moments. I'm just speaking now as a pastor, you know, uh, that, that it, it can be really easy to know all of these things theoretically, but, but when you actually come to face to face, um, it's, it's a different kind of story. Right. And, uh, and so, um, part of your lesson is this focus on hope. If, if somebody listening right now, and, and I, God forbid, but they have some terminal diagnosis or coming to the reality that they may not have that much longer to live. Um, and you had that opportunity, Alberto, to speak to them. What, what would you say? You've written this whole quarter on there, and obviously it's focusing on the hope. Um, how, how would you respond to that, Alberto, based on all of uh, the, our theological understanding and what Scripture says? First of all, I would say that all of us are humans. Mm. And uh, is not a fact that I wrote this Sabbath school quarterly. I did quite a research on this matter. And also I read, I mean, I wrote a companion book mm-hmm. that I, I am now safe. I will have never any problem of grieving mm-hmm. or being scared of that. Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily the case for one simple reason. Yeah. That is not part of God's plan. Right. Uh, we will grieve, you will have tears running down your face, but what makes the difference is the hope that is behind, uh, you know, what is ahead of us after the clouds are gone. And I like very much the book. Mm. I have a book here by Oscar Kuhlman. It's a very popular mm. one that, you know, the immortality of the soul or the resurrection of the, the body. And mm. that was a, a presentation that he made at the Andover Chapel at uh, Harvard uh, University uh, in, uh, I think it was the year 1956. And he opens his book. It's available. You can even buy it. He opens the, the, his book or his lecture that later on was published, comparing and contrasting the death of Socrates and of Christ. Interesting. And this is because, uh, of course, for the philosophers like Socrates, the, the body was just a prison of the soul. And if mm-hmm. you practice philosophy, 
yeah, that would liberate your soul to the uh, the uh, wonderful world of the ideas. So that mm. was a friend to liberate it from the prison of the body and take you to the higher stage of the ideas where you can have pure philosophy. But uh, when he drunk the poison, when he mm -hmm. was sentenced to death and he drunk it, he did it peacefully because friend was a, a friend to be welcomed. But when Christ died, his his emotions were completely different. He said, my soul is in agony. I am in agony till the end. Because dad was not a, a friend to be welcomed, but an enemy to be conquered. Mm. So that makes the difference. So don't expect yeah. that now you have hope in the resurrection that you will be absolutely calm. No, even Christ uh, cried and was emotional taken when, she, when he saw Lazarus. Yes, yes. In the grave. So this is something natural. So don't be, uh, don't uh, don't question your faith and your hope. And if you are taken, if you are down when you see somebody dying or when your day comes, but mm. look, look much ahead of the the clouds and the storm. And uh, what makes the difference is that we have a future hope. Yes, 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 we do. That holds yeah. us. And, and part of what you're helping us to recognize, I think, Alberto, is this uh, sense of, of wholeness, of how we understand the body, uh, everything else. And that's so radically different. And, you know, uh, like I said before, are the, what we believe matters, you know. And so uh, these basic concepts of, of like you said, uh, is, is the body a prison uh, <laughs> and death something to be welcomed or, or not, um, those basic concepts of just how God created us and how we view uh, life, you know, uh, philosophically, I guess that's our metaphysics, right? It just all of that pours forth in such profound ways. Yes. And this is something very, very, what you raised is a very significant thought, because if you would take, for instance, the Septuagint, the translation of the Old Testament into Greek, mm -hmm. the, the word the words that are being used, like uh, body, soul, and spirit, and those are the words of the Greek language. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so somebody who would read the Septuagint would try to, to read it with the glasses of Greek philosophy. Mm. Because, but you have to remember that although Paul in the New Testament uses this language, body, soul, and spirit, it has not the same meaning as the philosophical meaning of the Greek scholars or philosophers, but it you have to read it, those words, uh, through the lenses of the Old Testament Hebrew, uh, Hebrew concept or Semitic as a whole and not as separated entities. So that can be misleading. And I think that that favored a little bit um, the acceptance of the Greek philosophical uh, concept of immortality of the soul. And man, one discovery that I had for me, myself, of course, you know that much of what Christianity believes today is based on Greek philosophy, mm -hmm. especially on Socrates, as, yeah. as uh, recorded by Plato. 
because we don't have books by Socrates. They are recorded by Plato. But anyway, one thing that I did not imagine, that even the theory that the near-death experience already appears in the Republic of uh, of Plato. No way. That's interesting. There was a group of, uh, of uh, soldiers who died. Mm-hmm. And one of those, strange as it might look like, uh, the body did not decompose. It was there. And uh, the record is mentioned that he went to the judgment after that, as they believed, the philosophers. Mm-hmm. And then it was said, you don't will be judged. Uh, you will not receive your reward. You just watch what is going on here. Mm-hmm. And after 12 days, you will go back and you tell to the living ones what you what you saw. And that's what happened. So this is quite similar the testimony of people who claim that they were that they uh, that they were close to that they saw that tunnel angelic being welcoming it to uh, to the paradise and uh, and it's interesting that when uh, Raymond Moody Jr wrote his book life after life in uh, 1975 it was published I thought that it, that was it. Mm-hmm. But you have so many books dealing with this same topic today, the shelves and shelves. It's very popular. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that the final one, I mean, not saying the latest book, but the people consider this one to be Evidences of the Afterlife as the standard one, the most comprehensive study on this area, in which uh, he reports, he has a very... Uh, significant uh, study. I mean, the two authors is not just one. Is uh, there are two authors? Yeah, and that's the book "Evidence of the Afterlife" for those that are listening. So yes, exactly. And uh, and it's interesting that in this book they say that forty five percent of those who had near death experiences, who fa- faced near death experiences. After those experiences, they started to have psychic experiences and mediumic experiences that they did not have prior to them. So the idea that this is just a matter of of some kind of psychochemical effect of hallucinations, as, as sometimes you have, does not fit necessarily because it seems to be an introduction towards uh, towards uh, mediunic experiences. Hmm. And this book is even considered a New York, as you can see here, a New York bestseller. Fascinating. Yeah, you know, this, and this brings up, I mean, I, I get asked this on a regular basis. So what do I do with these near-death experiences and, and this kind of thing, right? And so this is a very real uh you know human phenomena that that people are are wrestling with yeah you have two lines of uh, of explaining them mm-hmm. one of those is when you are facing the pains or whatever you want to call it of death mm-hmm. the 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 brain itself liberates some kind of whatever chemical reactions that uh, yeah. leads to hallucinations and this is the the most common medical ex- explanation for it. Yeah. But at the same time, you cannot overlook this, this spiritual element that is even, even pointed out in this book. So yeah. I think it's more than just uh, natural stuff. 
Mm-hmm. But there mm-hmm. is a spiritual element to it also. And uh, the reports that these people give, those who had those experiences, they do not really confirm the gospel. Salvation yeah. by grace to faith is the phenomenon by itself trying to prove that there is an afterlife for the soul. So yeah. I think it's a way of trying to confirm uh, in a supernatural way the immortality of the soul. Well, I want to I bring this kind of full circle because we're talking about the great controversy. And at the very beginning, you mentioned like spiritualism and these kinds of things, because if, if these are um, or can be have the potential of being re- very real phenomena uh, and in terms of there's a spiritual dimension. I mean, that's where we come back to the great controversy, the forces of good versus evil. And, and just because you're an Adventist historian, I have to share a fun little uh, tidbit here <laughs> that I just yeah. found yes. this last yeah. week. Um, Jenny uh, Tremblay, uh, who later marries a guy named Richards, so it's Jenny Tremblay Richards, uh, was an early convert. And intriguingly, she was a spiritualist medium. And someone shared with her a copy of Signs of the Times, and she kept trying to talk to her medium about that publication and the, the 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 spirit would not talk to her about this and then finally she goes ahead and reads it and is converted realizes that these are the, this is the voice of satan you know and uh, of evil angels that are um and and suddenly um here she'd have it, was having these seances and different kinds of things but when her eyes were open through a biblical worldview biblical prism she was suddenly able to, to make sense uh, of, of what was going on around them. And it just seems to me that, you know, our, this human condition we have, we just need to keep coming back to Scripture as the Bible to give us that divine kind of guidance. Yes, definitely so. Because if you go to the end-time deceptions, and it's interesting that Ellen White even says that the two key doctrines that will be under fire, as you know, are the Sabbath and the state of the dead. And mm. this is what we are experiencing. And you remember that in the great controversy uh, vision that Ellen White had in 1858, March 14, mm-hmm. she saw the spread of spiritualism as a train at a, uh, running at the speed of the lightning and Satan being the the chief, I mean, the guy that was conducting the train. And uh, and that was a vision to about a spread of spiritualism in all its forms in the last days. And this is what we are facing today. And Ellen White has another interesting statement in the book, a Great Controversy, where she says mm-hmm. that in the last days, at the final stages, uh, demons will, will personate the apostles of Christ to to deny what they wrote in the the New Testament. So in other words, to update it, not saying necessarily deny what they wrote it over there, but saying, well, this is what it was good for that time. But now we are so far away. We have a new light for us today in the messages such and such and such. So this is very, uh, very misleading. Can you imagine if this kind of problems will show up in the in the future? And uh, as I, I mentioned begin, at the beginning, yeah. uh, the world has been taken over by all kinds of supernatural elements. Our, uh, our culture is mystical. Yes. 
movies, films, um, games, all these kinds with monsters and whatever you want to add to it. And it seems that our biblical answer is so shy. We are so comfortable with ourselves and that's enough. Where is our response? And yeah. in this sense, Michael, I would like to see this year not to being just a formality. Well, I will read my Sabbath school lesson as always, and that's it. I think it's a, a time for us to build conviction yes. and to share it with other people. I wrote the Sabbath school quarterly, basically for uh, Adventists. So yes. I wrote Ellen White and so, but a companion book, something that you can share with a friend, with a neighbor somebody from your family that might need some kind of better understanding of the subject from a biblical perspective. Well, I love this, Alberto, because I mean, what you're telling me is this just gets right to the heart of what it means to be Adventist as we're waiting for Jesus to come uh, with eager anticipation and, and all of that. Uh, and so if, if considering how important all of this is, it's amazing we haven't had a Sabbath school lesson recently. I mean, we need to be hearing this on a regular basis. <laughs> yeah, you are right. <laughs> By the way, I, before we wrap up here, I, you, know, I, I, you know, I always like to give the opportunity, you know, you've spent all this time working on this. And, and it, for someone that's going to be going through the, the quarterly this, this quarter, um, and I'm, I'm sure there's a question or two that I haven't asked. But, but maybe something that's a burden on your heart that you'd like to share to those who are listening and, and who will be studying the lesson this coming quarter. Uh, I know I'm just kind of leaving that wide open, uh, but, but is, is there anything you, you, you'd just like to add in there that, that we haven't talked about? I think that basically what, uh, what we considered is significant, and I would say that, uh, uh, that you take advantage of this quarter. Uh, not only to read the Sabbath school quarterly, to read mm -hmm. and study the companion book and your Bible definitely so and mark yeah. it. Yeah. And if you are a Sabbath school teacher, I would say, why don't you give some assignments for mm. people, for instance, each one of members of your class to bring a thought about such and such topic. So I feel like I'm in your class now, Alberto. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a more engaging and not only another sermon that you have uh, whenever your class meets, but something that people really get that feeling and the, the beauty of researching, searching the word of God. That's something important. And uh, I would like to call your attention to, to, to the last part of the, of the quarter where I deal with some, some Bible passages controversial yeah. Bible passages, mm. of course, with the limitation of the quarterly, I could not handle all of them, but you could probably uh, also address to do some kind of study of those passages that I didn't have a chance to, to cover. Wow. I think that this is something very significant. And uh, if I could... If I could summarize the quarterly itself in mm -hmm. a few mm -hmm. words, just I would say definitely that it is about the human nature, the state of the dead, and the blessed hope of the final resurrection at the second coming. But there mm -hmm. is a passage that I think that is the one that really covers the whole thing. And this one you find in, in John, 1 John. Not a, uh, the gospel, but the epistle. First uh, John chapter 5 and verses 11 and 12. It says, 
And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Mm. Here you have the basis, the ground of the conditional immortality of the human being. Yeah. And the topic, according to verse uh, 11, or the subject, is eternal life, is not common life, like everybody has who are, who are still alive. And here it speaks about eternal life and says that this eternal life, only those who are in Christ, they have. If the human being would be naturally immortal or the soul, suppose soul is immortal, how yeah. could the Apostle John says that those who are not in Christ do not have ever eternal life. Um, this passage is important, and this is what makes the whole, the, all the difference. Eternal life is assured now, is not something for the future. And although we die, like Christ says, I will raise him or her uh, mm -hmm. in the final day. And then at the second coming, the gift of immortality will be given. What a beautiful promise, and what a way to take such a complex, but at the same, a beautiful truth that uh, we have the, the privilege to explore this coming uh, Sabbath uh, quarter uh, with. Uh, and, and so those of you that have been listening, if you just tuned in a little bit late, um, I've had the privilege to uh, interview uh, Dr. Alberto Tim. Associate Director of the Biblical Research Institute. You've been listening to the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast. We want to just encourage you to dig deeper into God's Word uh, with each and every week. And uh, until next time, uh, keep studying your Sabbath School lesson. As we put a wrap on this week's lesson, this is Campbell Swoops signing off. By the way, we want to give a shout out to our sponsors, the Southwestern Union of Seventh-day Adventists and Southwestern Adventist University, which has for over 125 years provided a Christ-centered education just 20 minutes south of Fort Worth, Texas. We love teaching with personal colleagues, offer quality academics, and provide numerous ways to get involved both on campus and across the globe. To learn more, visit swahu.edu or check us out on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Also, be sure to join us again next week as we continue to explore God's Word. You can make sure not to miss an episode by joining us at sabbathschoolrescue.org.